quarantined and addicted. How can I break free? The pandemic that we're currently experiencing, and I say we meaning the entire world, is having impact in so many areas of our lives, besides our jobs, our work, our schools, our schedules, our travel plans, our entertainment, our social interactions. It's also having a profound impact psychologically, emotionally, and it's shining a glaring light, amplifying parts of the human condition that very often remain concealed, remain undercover, remain obfuscated. So during this period in time, as we, myself, the Meaningful Life Center, doing everything possible to provide empowering resources in these challenging times, and focusing on the human being, you and I, the psyche, and what it's experiencing, not just what it's experiencing, but offering antidotes, offering suggestions, methods, tools to be able to counter many of these challenges challenges that we're facing. And one of them is the title of this program, Quarantined and Addicted. Can I Break Free? How can I break free? So quarantined is challenging enough. We're told, stay home. You can't social distancing. You can't interact. And even if you do go out, keep certain distance and wear a mask. Protect yourself, protect others. So that already has an impact. Tremendous impact. Because we are social creatures. We are habitually and ritually and are part of our very personality is interacting. Personal touch. In close proximity. A hug. A handshake. So the toll that that's taking is one thing. But beyond that, as we're quarantined, we resort to all kinds of methods to relieve either the tension, the stress, the loneliness. So if a person, God forbid, was addicted beforehand, quarantine is not always going to be a very conducive environment to fight addiction. If anything, it could actually exacerbate it because the need is stronger. You don't have so much outer stimulation, going to work, interacting with others, going to an eatery, going to a game. So addiction has exploded in many ways. There are no statistics, no one knows, because number one, we're just in this now for the second month. And secondly, people don't document this. But you can imagine that a person who's resorted to addiction or has been an addict before quarantine, before this pandemic, it didn't most likely just go away. And I personally am receiving many letters say emails, today letters are emails, social media, messages, texting, and uh, many other ways that people are communicating their challenges regarding this. So as difficult a topic as it may be, this is a critical topic that actually can be life and death, definitely spiritually and psychologically for many people.
So let's discuss the overall condition of when, when, we're, when we're alone, when we're lonely. And we could be lonely does not mean there's no one else in your home. But you don't have all the outlets. You don't have all the escapes that we usually have. And that's the breeding ground for many problems. And I should add, it's not just for the addict, the pre-existing addict, that is, but all of us. What do we do to replace those outlets? Are they all healthy alternatives? And that's all part of this discussion. But specifically, I want to focus on addiction. Now, the word addiction comes from the Latin root, addictus, which means devotion. Devotion and commitment to the point of giving up on yourself, even a betrayal. The exact definition, I'll, I'll read it to you. The Latin addictus, which means to devote, sacrifice, sell out, betray, or abandon. Or to devote or give up oneself to a habit or occupation. That's the way it's defined. Now, when you think about it, the word devote, devote sounds like such a healthy word. We're devoted to someone we love, we're devoted to God, we're devoted to our beliefs, to our values. But it's critical to understand that's exactly where addiction comes from. Addiction, like all strong forces in our lives, is not 100% evil. It has elements to it that are extremely healthy and positive. It's just misdirected. It's a dysfunctional form of devotion. You may have heard the expression attraction disorder. An attraction disorder. Which means attraction is a good thing to be attracted to the right things. To be attracted to someone you love. To be attracted to a beautiful piece of art. To something natural. Attracted to something that stimulates you. But attraction disorder is when the attraction or the devotion is misplaced and misguided. Now this isn't trying to um, minimize it. It can be devastating. An addiction to the wrong thing can be death, God forbid. Can completely hold hostage, hold a person hostage. So I'm not suggesting it's uh, just a little devotion misplaced. But we need to get to the heart of it. Let me just use a mystical a Hasidic concept to explain. When a person is very hungry or very thirsty, better example, and they're in a desert, an arid desert, there's nothing to drink. The day passes, another day passes. You become desperate. You become so desperate that whatever is given to you, you're going to just swallow without even thinking. It could be something toxic. It could be something poisonous and dangerous. But you'll drink it because you're desperate. You're not even thinking. So is the thirst bad or is how you're filling the thirst bad? So the difference is between the object, how you're filling, how you're quenching your thirst, and the thirst itself. We all have human beings have needs. We have needs. We have desires. We have attractions. The question is, how are you filling that attraction? So to use a, uh, a simple example, a child, a two, three-year-old child is sitting on the ground, on the floor, playing with Lego or playing with some toys. An adult, who may be the parent or someone who loves that child, may sit down and play, but it's not something you have interest in. 
If you see an adult playing a little child, something's the matter. But the child is completely enjoying the game or the toy or whatever the activity it's involved in. You get a little older, a child will choose a little older type of toys or games. A little older, a child will perhaps enjoy reading a book. There comes a point where your pleasure starts derived from other things. It could be reading a book, it could be ideas, it could be more sublime things, it could be spirituality. What is the difference between the pleasure of a little child playing with a, game, a little toy, an immature toy, and the adult having pleasure, let's call it, in a, in a spiritual ecstatic experience? The only difference is not the pleasure, the object of the pleasure. What's bringing the person pleasure? Now, in this case, it's all healthy. For a child, that's what is healthy. That age, that's what stimulates a child. That's what a child enjoys. For a different age, it's a different source of pleasure. Now, let's apply this in, in this context. Whenever you see someone addicted to something, rest assured it's coming from a deep thirst or hunger, from a void that has not been filled. As a matter of fact, the more mediocre a person may be, the more passive, the less addicted they would become. Because they're not that desperate. And it's easy for them to move on. Someone who's extremely desperate, meaning, let's say, a very creative person, a lot of energy, wants to change the world, but is frustrated, has no outlet, that's a person that can also go in the wrong direction, and all that energy is being redirected in the wrong place. So it's vital and critical to realize that there's a big distinction. When you see some addiction, you see some attachment to something, to the point where that thing is taking control over the person, you have to keep in mind, no one set out to become an addict. Nobody says, hey, my, my goal is to become a uh, drug addict, addicted to alcohol, sexual addiction, gambling addiction, and the list goes on. No one sets out that way. There's something eating at the person. Something is a void. They're looking for some way to fill the void. Often, we'll gravitate to the easiest thing. The easiest thing may be the most destructive. So it's not the attraction that's the issue. It's what you're attracted to. Which right there gives you the antidote. And we'll talk about that, of course, as we go on in this program. That you're not looking to cut away lobotomize, annihilate the attraction. You're looking to redirect it to the right and healthy approach. Just like instead of drinking something toxic, why don't you drink water? Why don't you drink something that's healthy for you? Quench your thirst, but with the right thing. Now, of course, it's easier said than done. If that was the formula, I can just, we can just pack up here and say, okay, that's it. No more addiction, just find ways to redirect. It's not that simple. Because once you get attached the wrong way, you're bound to it. You think that's the only way. So to first disconnect, to sever that connection, and then reconnect it and attach yourself to a healthy thing, which is a step two, is not an easy process. It's like a, it's like a habit that has become so ingrained where a person becomes dependent physiologically or psychologically to a substance or to an action or to a behavior, or to a thing, or to a person, that they find themselves inseparable of that thing. 
So the first thing to remember is that unhealthy addiction is rooted in some form of healthy need for love. Love is attachment. And it's misguided, misdirected. The second thing we need to remember that it's very difficult to sever that connection and say, okay, let's now redirect it elsewhere. And a most important thing, the difference between a healthy addiction, if you can pull it that way, put it that way, or healthy devotion and an unhealthy one is the following. One controls you and the second you control it. If there's any behavior or any substance or any type of addiction to something and you cannot stop it, why can't you stop it? Because it's controlling you. Then you know it's coming from an unhealthy place. If you control it, then you know you are the captain of the ship. You do have the hunger. You do have the thirst. But you're determining how that's going to be filled, that void. We'll talk about that as well some more. But let me go back to the quarantine phenomenon. In dealing with many people over the years, I always identify almost consistently that when people get into trouble in any particular way, and here we're talking about addiction, it's a combination of factors. It's never just one thing. And it doesn't begin overnight. It's not like, oh, that's it. You walk over the cliff. It's a process. And always one of the ingredients in the process you can always identify is a form of loneliness, isolation, boredom, not feeling fulfilled. So, Let's say you're a busy person at work. Now we're not going to work, you're working from home. The job is over. You're not working 24-6, 24-7. job is over. Night comes, it's 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock. Now we can't go anywhere. Yeah, we used to be able to go out. What happens? You're sitting at your computer. You're bored. You may be more than bored. You may be even miserable. Maybe frustrated. I'm not even going into deeper stuff that comes from our childhood, which only will add to it, as we'll discuss. What happens? So you begin to browse the web, and you're looking for something to excite you, to stimulate you. And we all know the lowest common denominator is usually what will come up. Especially when you're not deliberately looking for the healthy outlet of how to fill your time, how to fill that void. So whatever comes your way, and being that you are desperate to some extent, everyone on their own level, you are a royal candidate. You are the easiest candidate for what? For whatever will um, touch and stimulate your senses. It could be something visual. It could be something audio. Audio. It could be other forms. Visual is, of course, a very powerful one. So you begin to browse, let's say, sites that are not necessarily appropriate ones. But they're stimulating. And they touch a part of us, a certain visceral part, and it gets the dopamine going, the chemicals, and you experience some pleasure. Even the chase is a pleasure. The mystique of it, the mystery of it. I'm talking about sexuality. It's not the only addiction, but I'm using one simple example. What is going into, what are the dynamics that are taking place so there's the void, there's the boredom, there's the frustration, maybe the anger. There's a need for stimulation. Now you have time in your hands. And the pandemic and the quarantine has only added to time 
and that sense of isolation, less other stimuli, less options. So today we have technology. And it's not, it shouldn't be a surprise that many people will begin, begin to return to these sites because it's easy. It's a quick fix. You're not even looking necessarily to get addicted, but at some point, your mind starts thinking throughout the day, you know what, I can't wait till at night. I have my stimulation. I have something. And it's also easy. What means easy? You don't need to contend with another person. It's not a romantic relationship. There's no give and take. There's very little price to pay. So you now have gravitated. And once it becomes easy, and once it fills that void, even if it's sugar-coated and it's only momentary, all you're left with is shame and guilt, perhaps. But the shame and guilt may not be as strong as your need for the stimulation. So you tell me what's going to happen. Of course, a person will become more and more dependent. They may not like to call themselves an addict, but they're essentially becoming addicted. What is the root of it all? The need for attachment, the need for love, the need for some connection. This is called attachment disorder. Because the need for attachment is healthy, but it's in a disordered way, it's dysfunctional. Now you'll say, what's the big thing? The big thing is because ultimately what it causes, it causes you to be dependent on something that's completely, almost false, superficial. There's absolutely nothing positive that comes out of this type of addiction or any form of addiction. It's the momentary high that becomes satisfying. And what you're giving up is getting a high that's permanent and healthy. It can actually help you grow. And it's not an escape and not a distraction. So in the situation that we're in now, you can imagine all this is now exploding. Again, there's no numbers, but it's no question that it's affecting people. Now some people turn to alcohol. Others turn to drugs. Now you could say, what's the big thing? Pot. Now it's legal in many parts of the country. And even where it's not. So I feel a little escape. Well, if escape is an objective, it's very hard to argue the point. Everybody can do whatever they wish. But if you want to be the best you can be, and a responsible person, and a person who grows, and a person who feels that I'm on a mission in this world, escape is not the solution. And I want to make it clear, this is not a uh, sermon. I'm not preaching to anyone. It's not about telling anyone what to do, what not to do. As you know, that's not my approach. I'm just sharing thoughts of, and expecting for myself and from others to be the best we can be. So you'll say, so what do I do? How do I replace this easy fix and direct that attraction to something healthy? If you're ready to ask that question, then we shall continue. I will continue, but you, if you want to continue, make sure you ask that question. That's a vital question. And it's not a matter of, okay, so what? So I distracted myself. I kept myself busy with some short-term or meaningless or superficial stimulation. Big thing. It's a big thing because you're talking about your soul, how you value yourself. I can tell you the demoralization that an addict experiences, the shame, the secret, is all like the same secret of isolation. It's not privacy. It's secrets the unhealthy, toxic secrets, where we're not proud of it. That's why we don't just go around sharing. 
When people are in recovery and they share, they have to break that silence. It's not easy. It's the first step to recovery. Because it's very shameful. So anything that makes you ashamed, anything that makes you feel like, I don't like myself. And if anyone knew this about me, they wouldn't like me. You can imagine it's not a healthy force. And it's not going to be a motivator to build self-esteem and confidence and grow. So we have to find the alternative. But you need to be committed to it. Unfortunately, as they say, it's usually when people hit rock bottom, when they see their addiction has dest- is destroying their lives, that's when they wake up. And even then, it's not that easy. So I am not wishing that upon anyone. I'm, I'm of the hope and the optimism that having a conversation like this, like we're having, can perhaps spark something, even if you have not hit rock bottom. Spark a part of you that says, you know, I can be better. I have much more potential. Why am I allowing myself to betray, yes, betray your own destiny, your own voice? It's like uh, I've quoted many times Oliver Wendell Holmes, the voiceless. Alas to those that die with their song still inside them. You'll say, big thing, so I died with my song still inside. Big thing, it's your life. It's not a small matter. We're talking about your life. What addictions do is they don't let you live your life, your voice. You allow something else to become the force that controls. Does it feel good? Can you get away with it? But is that the the criteria for life? We want you to sing your song. You have so much beauty to bring into this world. Now, I know people will resist and say, no, I don't. I'm just a miserable guy. I'm just addicted to this, to that. Don't expect. Well, I, for one, will never accept that. Because the definition of a human being is a soul created in the divine image. You have indispensable and infinite potential. Yes, you have a voice and you have songs to sing and contributions to make that you and only you can contribute. Anything that blocks that, anything that sidetracks you, is not just, oh, you're not living up to what you can be. There's a piece of the puzzle of existence missing. Necessary, the cosmic picture choreography needs your voice. Now, many of us say, I, that's too much, that's, uh, that it's too heavy. Don't lay that on me. Well, I'm not laying it. I'm saying it as a gift, as a gift, as a blessing. Now, if you feel that way, I guarantee you, you can do something about it. If you don't feel that way, you need more work, and you need more friends, and you need more repetition of this point, which I'll say again, you are a beautiful soul. Don't, let, don't squander it. You have a powerful voice. Don't let it remain silent. You have so much to contribute. Don't die without making those contributions. And yes, addictions are small little deaths that take that distract us, that sidetrack us, that contribute to us wander, wandering away from our destinies and from those contributions. Now, there's so much more I can say about that, but I hope that's a bit motivational. Now, the question is, once you do say, okay, you know what, I feel that spark at times. What can I do? How can I break free? So remember, this first step is vital. The fact that you already feel 
You want to break free. Because as soon as you convince yourself that this darkness is not dark, that you can manage, you can cope, you can be what they call a functional addict, they say. Functions. It's able to figure out how to maneuver. When you're in that place, then the darkness doesn't even feel it's dark. The words of the Baal Shem Tov, the darkness conceals the darkness. Which means you think darkness is light, or at least not so dark. So the first step is yes, awareness of the problem is have the cure. Once you know that and you're committed to it, then begins the work. And in this time period, even though quarantine and being locked down and all the, and all the social distancing as I pointed out, can amplify, can magnify our challenges and our addictions, but they can also be a great opportunity to look deeper inside your heart and soul and say, one second, maybe this is an opportunity for me to break free from these unhealthy attractions and redirect them to the right place. So this requires some exercises. The one I always mention because I believe it is a solution to so much is don't wait till the evening comes or the morning or whenever it is that you're getting to your computer to get to follow and feed your addiction, whatever it may be. In the morning, preempt it all by saying, I am going to go into that space inside of me. That place where there's a vacuum, where there's a void, that I'm thirsty and hungry. And I know that I'm going to pursue something to fill that vacuum that may not be healthy, that may just be another addiction, I'm going to preempt it by looking into that place and trying to do something and not wait till I have to have that battle. Once you have that battle, let's be honest, there's someone giving you an easy pass, a quick fix. Another one says this is going to take an hour or two of meditation. Who's not going to go for the quick fix? So one of the tricks of the trade is don't wait for that because then the battle will be much harder. In the morning, you wake up in the morning. You know what? Focus, close your eyes. Go inward. There's something that makes you tick. There's a soul inside of you, a force. And now you feel it. During the night, you were sleeping. It was also there, but it was a hibernated state. You're now aware, acknowledge it. Thank you for giving me a soul. You're not just a body. You're not just a composite and the sum total of a bunch of physical systems at work. You're a soul. You're not a physical being that from time to time has a spiritual awakening. You're a spiritual being that occupies and is on a physical journey. The body is your vehicle. Just visualize that. The body is your vehicle. Vehicle of what? Of your soul, your soul is a beautiful soul. Focus on one thing that makes you beautiful. You're a very giving person. You love to give. Love. There's attractions. You're attracted to giving. You've identified an attraction that's a healthy one. So then don't just focus on it and then to make a decision in the morning. You know what? I'm going to give. I'm going to call somebody. And give them a few kind words. Share with them a few kind words. I'm going to go online. I'm going to make a charitable donation to a good cause. I'm going to text or email a few friends or strangers of a nice, warm, heartwarming thought that I just read. What you've done is you've activated, in a small way, a positive form of attraction. 
you have a loved one in your life, a spouse, a beloved family member, or not family member, I'm going to do something extra special today. What you're doing is you're feeding attraction, but not the disorder for it, disorder form of it, the dysfunctional form, but a healthy form. You'll say, is that going to solve the problem? No, no, nothing is solved overnight. This isn't a magic pill. What you've done is you've began to nourish and nurture that part of you that is controlled by something else. And whether you know it or not, even that one step has weakened its hold. You probably will not discern that weakening, but in time you will. Because the goal here is not to do it one day, every day. This has to become a new ritual, a habit, a pattern, a routine. And the more you understand it, the more appreciate it, the better it is. But even if you don't, stick to it. This is the water drops, drop by drop by drop, with time, starts having an impact. Because you will see, it's like going back to the analogy, the person is desperately thirsty and will drink anything, even toxins. So to the point they become addicted to the toxin. And you give them good water, they say, no, I'm not interested in that. That doesn't have any value. The drug does something for me. Whatever that drug is, whether it's something you ingest or it's something psychological. So you say, you know what? Okay, let me give you just, you're drinking a a quart of that a day or whatever it is. I'm going to give you a little cup of something and I give them healthy water or some other healthy drink. They drink it a little. Let's say it doesn't really taste that good. You say, let's start drinking that. What happens is you've shown them an alternative. It's not going to just replace their addiction to the toxic behavior or toxic, the toxic uh, substances, but it's given something. So somewhere something is given. So don't underestimate consistency of that. And psychologically, the person starts realizing, one second, I'm drinking something else. And it's not having that destructive impact on me. There's no shame involved. There's no guilt involved. There's no unhealthy secrets involved, toxic secrets. These things have impact. And now we have an opportunity to do it more than ever because you're not running to work in the morning, the first thing in the morning. You have a little extra time. But it takes will. It takes commitment. So quarantine can be a separating and isolating and lonely experience. It could also be an opening to look deeper inside yourself and do something you've never done before. And it begins to fill the void. It begins to fill the void. I'm not over yet. That was just a prayer form, a morning exercise. Take some time in the day and start learning about your soul. There are texts. I'll give you right here a text so there's no excuses. I can't find one. You may be familiar with the Omer book I've done. We're now in a period in the 49 days between Passover and Shavuot. 49 days of personal refinement, a journey through your emotional psyche of your soul. Love, discipline, compassion, endurance, humility or or yielding, bonding and dignity. Seven emotions that are the spectrum of all your human experiences. And each day, seven times seven, 49, 
has its own subset in love. There's the love of love. There's the discipline of love. Go online, meaningfullife.com, or go to my Omer. It's a great free app. Or if you have the book, work with it. That is like an x-ray, a CAT scan of the DNA of your emotional structure of your soul. And what's the value of it? Besides the value of learning to evaluate yourself and understand yourself and empower yourself, one more thing, it, it shines a light on you. That's exactly what you want to want. And on your value. And you'll discover some of those emotions you're very strong in. Others you're weaker. Identify. Some people are very strong in giving love, but they don't know when to stop. It's actually one of the addictions where you can become a love disorder. They don't have discipline. They, don't, they only have gas without brakes. There are other people that are very good at discipline, but they don't know how to be loving. Just a small example. So you start identifying your strengths, which makes you feel better about yourself, which in turn makes you feel less shame and less needy of some outlet, some quick fix, some quick outlet to relieve your tension, to relieve your stress, some relief, because you found it in a healthier way. Again, is it easy? No. It's always going to be a challenge. Because especially habits are very hard to break. There may be setbacks, but don't be disturbed by that. The key is to forge ahead. And don't look back. There will be a setback, setback. Fine. There's a next day, next hour. So there's the second thing to do. An introspective look inside yourself. To learn about yourself. And of course, each of those days comes with an exercise. And do something about it. Either to strengthen your assets or to tame and harness your liabilities. We all have personalities. We have our strengths. We have our weaknesses. It's actually very exciting. You're getting to know yourself. But more importantly, you're getting to repair. Tikkun. Improve yourself. And again, this is a perfect time for it. Its effect will be slow, but determined, slow but deliberate, and will slowly weaken the hold. Will it eliminate it immediately? I wish, but it doesn't always happen immediately. So you'll say, well, what happens then if I have a situation, a really bad, bad day, bad interaction, and I just revert back to my old addictions that may happen so we have other tools well one of them even though it's in the 12 steps the truth is they took it from ancient wisdom the need to have a sponsor the need to have a friend the need to have a mentor so when there is a moment don't let yourself be isolated remember isolation is a big part of the loneliness get yourself someone you can call say i'm having a difficult moment let's talk May, they may not have even a, fic- a solution for you, but just talking to them, they care. You stay on the phone. Don't underestimate that, because what you're doing is countering the vacuum and the void that's the breeding ground for so many of these addictions. So what you're seeing, if you're picking up, that this is a, a, a war. A war has to be fought on all fronts. You don't just have the military... You don't just have an army, the infantry, the air force, and, and the navy. You have all three. 
You attack from every direction. And some of them are subtle. Not always a direct attack. As a matter of fact, it's very difficult to fight an addiction head on. The way is to bring in other factors into your life. Light. A little light dispels darkness. So that's tool number three. Having someone. Or some people. A support system. That could be someone also you study with. Or you pray with. Or you interact with online today. These things give strength. And they give strength. It's like in a human body. If one part of the body is injured. What do you do? You don't just work on the injured part. Sometimes you actually can't work. It's too sensitive. You strengthen the rest of the body. And it spills over. A healthy body will spill over to the weaker parts. So you strengthen your health. You don't just say, oh, as long as I have those next toxic forces, I can't bring in anything healthy. No, you bring in fresh air and automatically it starts strengthening the rest of you and to the point that it will start ultimately affecting those areas as well. Now we all know even these tools I mentioned, there's nothing that compares to actually working on it. So yes, there are the 12-step programs, there are other methodologies out there, whether it's a therapist, another form of a mentor, or for some people, medication is necessary. That should be determined already by medical experts and so on, just to lower the edge, because at some point we build up so much anxiety and that anxiety also makes us very fragile and vulnerable and very easy for us to just fall back to our addictions. So nothing should be overlooked. We should leave no stone unturned. But what's at stake is you and your destiny. What's at stake is you and your dignity and the contribution, the indispensable contribution that your mission in this world, the reason you came to this world, dictates you don't want to lose that opportunity and now we have that ability to do so so quarantined and addicted yeah and addiction many different types i've been speaking a little about sexual addiction some other forms but i want to speak more about the sexual part what is this about sexuality and the word i'm going to use is intimacy Because sexuality, divorced of intimacy, turns us into just a mechanical, technical thing that just gives you pleasure. Intimacy is actually a relationship. Now, what is the secret behind it? Why does it have such a hold over us? Maybe the strongest hold of all of them. It's because there's a healthy part of us that's looking for connection and attachment. Yes, connection and attachment. Sexuality... Or intimacy is connection and attachment. In the Bible, intimacy is called to know the other. Adam knew Eve. Knew, knowing. Knowing is a connection between two, an intimate connection. So it's not just two physical entities interacting and giving each other pleasure. It's two entities connecting and attaching with each other because they were always once one. They were split into two, as the Bible tells us. And they're seeking to reconnect, to reunite. In that type of reunion lies tremendous pleasure. It's connected to the most divine of forces, divine pleasure. So then you'll say, so why is sexuality then associated with so much negative stuff? So much destructive elements? 
Well, on one hand, also the most constructive. It creates beautiful relationships. It's the only thing that can give birth to a child. All of us were born out of intimacy between parents. Hopefully it was a healthy form. So at the root, like I said earlier, the root of attraction is always a healthy. It's the object of attraction. It's how you feed. And unfortunately, like everything in life, something very powerful can also become very powerfully destructive. Things that are not powerful are not that way. Think of, think of technology, weapons, nuclear energy. Extremely powerful. When it's not contained, it leaks or it's misused, it can be the most destructive force. That's what power does. Look at human beings. Very powerful characters and personalities can tr- change the world in the most powerful ways, beautiful ways. Could also destroy the world. Sexuality, intimacy, I should say. The pr- is is a, the connection of two human beings. The soul mates, the soul connection, is the most powerful divine force in existence. That's why it's connected to such powerful pleasure. But separated from its intimate nature, hedonistic, hedonistic, and selfish, then it becomes a force that is, yes, an addiction, selfish, all about me, 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 and suddenly this powerful, most divine energy is inverted and being used in the wrong way, directly in the wrong way, like a fire. Fire is very powerful. Harnessed, it warms us. Without warmth, without fire, we cannot exist. However, untamed, unharnessed, fire consumes, destroys, can destroy terrible, terrible devastation. So when we're in a situation where we're particularly challenged, and this could be whether in quarantine or no quarantine, but quarantine, obviously, as I said, brings everything to the fore. Everything is now amplified, everything is magnified, it can, if a person does not have the healthy outlet, search, we search for attractions that are, even we understand, are not permanent. Someone's drawn to some pornographic image, it can give you all the pleasure in the world. You would, even at that moment, you'll say, this is not long-term. It's just you become addicted to it. It's easy. And it's, and it's the thing you're now drawn to. At the heart of it lies an attraction that's misplaced. And the, cha- the, the way to counter that is to find a misplaced, what's the opposite of misplaced? A, a placed attraction, a healthy place for that attraction. Do it step by step. Very difficult to do it cold turkey. You can make a decision and say, I'm no longer going to watch these things. I'm no longer going to act out on any sexual addictions. You can make those decisions. But usually that's not enough, unless there's a rock bottom. What you need is step by step and be preemptive. Fill your life with healthy attachments. That is the real key. Now, I'm not taking away from all the other interventions out there that may work, may not work. Having this, I mentioned some of them because we have to attack it from every possible angle. So my friends, we have the opportunity now to actually look at ourselves, to see the best within us, and sometimes also the ugliest within us. 
not to demoralize us, not to bring us down, to make us feel helpless or hopeless, but to be able to expose it and begin to work on it and say, I'm going to replace that. It's in our hands. You have the power. And reach out to others to help. Because it's very difficult to do some of this on our own. So we will be talking more about this topic in this series of dealing with mental and emotional health issues in, at all times, and especially in this current environment, where a lot of this, as I said, has come to the surface. It's more prominent. But to remember that you have a soul, a beautiful soul. And when it's not fed properly, it's going to look, seek other ways to nourish itself that are not always healthy, most cases not healthy. And when you're able to slowly harness and redirect, what happens is you begin taking control back. I will tell you this. The ultimate goal is you want to have utter addiction and devotion and attraction, but to a good cause. Now, I hesitate using the word addiction because addiction suggests that the object or the thing you're addicted to is controlling you. Where in healthy devotion you control because you are now doing your work to harness it. But yes, you will get to a devotion that is as intense as that uh, as, as, the, as an addict has an attachment. You're attached to something that it becomes inseparable. An attachment to values. An attachment to helping other people. An attachment to healthy love. You think it's weaker than the addict? Remember I mentioned before with the child, you think the child's pleasure is greater than an adult's pleasure? It's just coming from a different source. However, I wouldn't want to use the addiction, but in essence you could say, you've replaced an unhealthy addiction with a healthy addiction. However, it's not an addiction to the thing. You are controlling it instead of it controlling you. What is the addiction to in the healthy one? It's a devotion to healthy outlets. It's a devotion to a cause. You can then harness, take all that energy that's going into this, all these useless and nonsensical and temporary and even destructive toxic behavior, and you've channeled it elsewhere where you can actually create a revolution. You can create something extremely powerful. And it's not just words. It's absolutely doable. How can I break free? The word break is an important word because you have to break with something that you become attached to. I remember speaking to someone, an individual, who had, uh, it was uh, some serious addictions. And he was beginning to develop his own personal self, his soul. He discovered his soul. As a result, those forces became a little weaker. Not a lot, a little weaker. I remember once he gives me a call. I'll never forget it. It was very vivid. He said to me, I still feel attached to those behaviors that have given me solace, that have comforted me, that brought me even calm in my most difficult times. I know they're not good behaviors. They're not healthy behaviors. But I feel almost like guilty letting them go. They were there for me. What do I do? Now, it wasn't just so uh, romantic and so idealistic. There was still some attachment there. But there was truth to what he said. So I I thought of an idea. I don't know. I think I was 
maybe came to me from something I had read, similar situation. I said, why don't you write a letter to these behaviors? Send them a letter, dear addictions. And write to them. I'd like to thank you for the year, your years of service, for the years that you spent with me and gave me a little comfort, even though I know it was just temporary, but got me through the day. And I want to thank you. But now I'm sending you a goodbye letter. It's time for me to move on. It's time for you to move on. Express yourself emotionally. Acknowledge what it may have done for you. Even though we would prefer not to have it in the first place. But then say goodbye. Now obviously it's a letter, a figurative type of letter, but the key thing is it helps you work it through. I'm not suggesting again that this is a magic pill, this type of letter. But it's yet another step in freeing yourself because you're acknowledging, yes, you served me. You don't have to yell at it. You don't have to say you destroyed my life. You've ad- I've become addicted to you in the worst possible way. No, acknowledge that those moments because remember at the end of the day you were the one that allowed it to enter your life. You're the one that became addicted to it. But you also have permission to say goodbye, to release. He actually did it. And what happened was it gave him the license, the permission almost, to free himself from his own habits. Again, was it the only step? No. It was part of a whole process. Filling your life up with positive attachments, whether it's to people, to causes, to activities, to values, to actions, that slowly fills you up and less room for the negative. And then you have to deal with that too. Each one of us in our own way. So, if you think you're all alone, you're not alone. We're all alone. Each one in our own way. We have to figure out how to connect even when we're alone or when we feel alone. Not to give up on ourselves. Not to allow ourselves to treat ourselves in ways that we are ashamed of. To rise to the occasion, to be the best you can possibly be. And I say this with my complete heart. We are here for you. I am here for you. Any way that we could help. And I say we, I mean my beautiful, wonderful team at Meaningful Life Center. Do not hesitate to reach out to us. It's confidential, anonymous if you wish. But this is why we're here on this earth, to help each other. We're all mortals. We're all vulnerable. We're all fragile. We all have our weaknesses. We have our weak moments. But we have each other. And even when we may be completely attached to the wrong things, and there may be shame involved, find a way to reach. You don't have to reach to us. You can reach to your friends, to reach your support system. In times like this, we are connected more than ever. We're always connected, but there are times where it becomes more apparent. I have to tell you, in the last six weeks, what is it, two months already, since lockdown, mid-March, early March, I have not seen myself and the beauty in people ever like this. I've never seen myself so driven. And I'm not saying this to toot my horn, I'm saying it just coming natural. I feel that when such upheaval and disruption 
If not now, when? This is when we are tested as human beings. Will we be at our best or will we be at our worst? Yes, this is the time. And if not now, when? Will we be part of the problem or will we be part of the solution? I would like to believe that all of us have made the decision to be part of the solution. So let's join together. Join me. This is the mission of the Meaningful Life Center. Never been as acute and as necessary and vital as now. Precisely because so much of our regular lives and routines have been disrupted. That's when we need to find the best inside of us. And definitely not allow these shadows and this quarantine and the loneliness to allow the darkest part of us, the ugliest part, to emerge. May God bless you all. Be strong and healthy physically but, and also mostly and psychologically, which is far more in our control than we may think. Look at yourself. Look at what you're doing. Look at what you're committed to. Begin to weaken the hold of unhealthy attractions, unhealthy addictions, by bringing in healthy attachments and attractions. I said attraction disorder, attachment disorder. It's good to be attached, but to the right things, to the people we love, toward productive ends, toward beautiful ends. This program is a Wednesday night program, live every Wednesday night. It's archived afterwards. We're focusing the themes on mental health and emotional health issues in this time of the age of corona. Please, if you have questions or comments or any suggestions, please submit them. If you like what you heard, share, subscribe to our YouTube channel, like all the different words used out there. But above all, spread the word. We have so much to give to each other. And you'd be surprised how people will be receptive, especially now. Meaningfullife.com, www.meaningfullife.com for this program and many others. Literally on a daily basis, we're now producing programs Sunday night and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Subscribe, see what you like for all different types of audiences from children to teenagers, adults, educators, parents, people in recovery, really covering the entire gamut. And you can easily go to MeaningfulLife.com slash Corona and see the daily updates there. We have a daily spiritual antidote precisely for this purpose to feed and boost and bolster your emotional and psychological immunity to counter all the negative energies out there. And I mentioned the Omer, my Omer app, a day-to-day guide, journey toward personal growth and character refinement. So it's been Simon Jacobson speaking to you about quarantined and addicted. How can I break free? It's an honor and pleasure. Stay well and healthy and stay in touch. We'll be blessed. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.